Hey gang, it's John. Thank you for listening to this very special bonus episode of The Hustle. This is our second Rock and Roll Hall of Famer of the week. Earlier this week, we celebrated our fifth birthday with Jerry Harrison of the Talking Heads. Today, we are talking to Creedence Clearwater Revival drummer, Doug Cosmo Clifford. Now, really interesting story. Recently, Doug was going through his garage and he found the master tapes to a solo album he recorded back in 1985 and didn't think he had anymore. He goes back, he listens to the tapes, and he's really impressed with what he hears. So they polish him up and they put him out. And the album is called Magic Window. You're listening to the title track of that album right here. Now, it's interesting to learn what Doug was doing in 1985. Now, CCR is well over. Tom Fogarty's not alive. John Fogarty is, is releasing the classic center field album. Stu Cook has gone country. What's Doug up to? Well, he's living in Lake Tahoe, and he's making music. And uh, this is it, and it sounds really great. It is such a fun throwback to that 80s Heartland rock sound, if you ask me. I love this sound. Now, the reason this is a bonus episode is a couple of things. Number one, we talk mostly in here about the album, about Magic Window and the creation of it. The reason for that is because we've already had Stu Cook on here a couple of times. So we know the CCR story. If you're new to us and you've never gone back and listened to the Stu Cook episode, which was number 100, it's one of our very best episodes we have. So go back and listen to that. It's a very interesting story, as most of you can imagine. So anyway, the story of CCR has already been told. That doesn't stop Doug and I from getting into some new things. Like, you know, I think about a year ago, it was announced that both factions, Doug and Stu and John, had sort of kissed and made up a little bit. We get we hear the reality of that situation. And, uh, you know, there's some other uh, CCR stories in here. Not to mention Cosmos Factory, their last really great album, to be honest, turns 50 this year. So we talk about that as well. So anyway, there's a little bit of everything in here, but it's really an opportunity for you to get to know this new solo album, Magic Window. Please, if you like what you hear in here, check it out. It is a lot of fun. 
Well, for starters, uh, Wendy told me to ask you about the time, about a certain Johnny Cash story. Um, <laughs> let's hear the Johnny Cash story. Well, um, we were doing his summer show, uh, television show, and it was the, the last one that was going to be held at the Grand Old Opry. So, uh, you know, we were thrilled to be in Johnny's presence, not to mention being on his show. So we were we were pretty happy about it. And, and he had a, a policy also of having people drop by. And that's when I first met Glenn Campbell. And, you know, it was just a very relaxed, very cool place to be and work. But one thing I did want is I, I wanted to have a, a Western shirt from Nashville. So mm -hmm. during one of the lunch breaks, I asked the producer, where could I find such a shirt? Mm -hmm. He says, oh, you walk down three blocks this way and two blocks here and gave me the, gave me the instructions. And at that time, my hair was really long and my beard was really long. Mm -hmm. And I was we not wearing anything near cowboy clothes. Mm -hmm. So uh, anyway, I'm off to get my, my Nashville shirt. And unbeknownst to me, uh, on the path to the shirt was a bar. Mm -hmm. and, uh, a, 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 for lack of a better term, a redneck bar. Mm -hmm. And this is back in, you know, 69, the Vietnam War, hippies, uh, all that. And it wasn't a real cool thing to be a hippie in Nashville back in those days. So as I walk by this bar, I hear a kind of a disturbance and, you know, noise and the running, the sound of running feet. And I look, look up. And as I look up, I am hit by this group of guys, at least five or six of them. And they, they grabbed me by my hair and threw me up against a wall. They had me and had my beard. I, you know, and they had me absolutely pinned. And I said, what do we got here? Said, I don't know. I don't know whether to shoot it or to fuck it. <laughs> and went, oh, I'm, I'm fucked. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm done. Yeah. And then uh, just about the time when I was kind of trying to get a, st a strategy, uh, I hear this voice, unmistakable voice, mm -hmm. deep and authoritative. Hey, you boys, let that man go. What the hell are you doing? Oh, look, Johnny, we got, we got us a hippie here. And he says, he's now hippies in the Creedence Clearwater Revival. They're the stars of my show. And if you touch him, I'm going to, you have to, you have to deal with me. Mm -hmm. They said, oh, gee, sorry, John. We don't, you know, we, we don't want to do that. And I went, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I, I stuck with John. <laughs> I never got my shirt. I never got my shirt. Really didn't want one at that point. Yeah. <laughs> oh that's great he, he saved my bacon i'll tell you yeah. that wow he uh he was already a legend and this uh just makes him even more of one that's a great story i yeah. bet you have a million of those i'm hoping we can sprinkle uh, some of those some more of those in here that well i got great. one I yeah got another one do it when we met johnny we we came in in the the, the evening of the, the night before we were going to go to work and there was a, a motel chain that was kind of funky but you know not the, certainly not the Ritz mm -hmm. and they had a greasy spoon in there and he wanted to, to meet us and have a drink or something and or, or dinner I don't recall which but we were up in, in that, that, that particular spot while he was there 
uh, he said, you know, there's a, there's a guy that, you know, he's kind of a, you know, he's, he's different, you know, he's, mm-hmm. he's kind of a street person, but he's, I think he's going to be a superstar, he's, you know, he's this and he's that. And we go, right, well, you never know. It's kind of <laughs> interesting to meet somebody that's up and coming that Johnny Cash introduced us to. So anyway, right then and there, we set up a, another dinner the night the next night and we we're going to meet this fella and it might have been lunch so anyway we're there for lunch and the guy stiffs johnny cash <laughs> doesn't call you know of course there was no uh, cell phones or anything mm-hmm. on those days but didn't make an effort and just stood johnny up and we're kind of thinking jesus what a moron to do that you know wow mm-hmm. so anyway we're we're we had our first day of rehearsals and got our stuff pretty much down we know what we're doing and and uh, that's when i met glenn campbell and a couple mm-hmm. other really cool studio people came by and just a great great time that was the, the, the day wow. into my little my little <laughs> fracas with the bar boys but anyway uh so th- that night i really gave him a talking to and he's really going to make sure that he comes uh comes by and so we're there and uh, we're kind of waiting and the guy's late. And, but then all of a sudden this kind of weird looking guy, dirty, he stunk. I mean, he, mm. he, he had an old, old army jacket on and his hair was disheveled and you could see that he hadn't had a shower in a couple of days. And it was just, a, he was just a mess. Mm-hmm. And Johnny said, oh, here he is now. He says, gentlemen, I'd like you to meet Chris Christopherson. Oh, no way. <laughs> Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. We're kind of we weren't impressed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, little did anyone know that that uh, disheveled guy would be like one of the best songwriters ever. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Wow, yeah. that's yeah. wild. Well, cool. Okay, yeah. I might throw. I might ask uh, you for a few more of those as we go along. But I, let's talk about sure. Magic Window. I am, you know. Yeah. First of all, I think this album is great. And I'm just thinking to myself, what was Cosmo doing in 1985? You know, the, the band is well over. Stu yeah. is doing, I'm forgetting the name of his country band that he did with... Um, Southern Pacific. S- Southern Pacific. That's it. I was going to say Southern Railroad. Yeah, Southern Pacific. He's doing that. You guys haven't start revisited yet. What are Where are you in terms of your music career? What are you doing at that time? Well, I'm uh, I'm up at Lake Tahoe. I, I lived a thousand feet above the lake, so I had a, a unbelievable view, sixty miles in every direction, and looking wow. down at this magnificent lake. And that was the, the, where the magic windows were, and uh, you just sit there, and and that's where my record. It was a recording studio, a thousand square foot room. Mm-hmm. Good sounding room, and and uh, I had a, an old amp, Ampex uh, six, sixteen track in there with a Trident board and some other nice gear in there, and so that's you know that's where we we did the recorded the album. I, I was trying to get uh, deals, and I, uh, for a while I was doing a solo thing, and I did some things uh, with Elliot Mazer, who was producing stuff with Neil Young. And, and uh, we were still good friends, and mm-hmm. I was thinking about going country at that point mm-hmm. because I, you know, I didn't think I had the rock and roll voice, and mm-hmm. I, I just thought it was a good idea. Mm-hmm. And well, it was, it, it wasn't, but I did. I went to Nashville and did a session there, 
and uh, had my old buddy Donald Duck done on bass on that se- session. And Tony mm-hmm. Joe White came along with him, played some rhythm guitar. And, uh, it was, you know, it was all all fun and good, but it it didn't it didn't pan out. And so, at one point in '78, I, I teamed up with Bobby Whitlock, and we were, we were a songwriting team. Oh right. And had a band and had a band and and uh, we were real close to getting a deal and Bobby ran out in the middle of the night but w- what I did do is I uh, you know this is before my studio went up in Tahoe but I record that, that was Cosmos Factory where we recorded the, the Whitlock stuff so oh. and I took over the lease the, took over the lease there and had a re- remote vehicle yeah. uh, and uh, we we used that for we'd rent it out for capital on projects that we were we wanted to work on the bands, local bands, and that's where the Don Harrison band came from. Oh, okay. That's where Ru- Russell the Shield came from. That's where I met Russell. Okay. We were in that band. We were in that band together. And, and Russell's the guitarist anyway, on Magic Window. Just for anyone. He's who a guitarist. Know. Yeah. Slash in- recording engineer. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, and and since I found the tapes and everything, you know, uh, I've made him a co-producer because. Nice. He's uh, really got good technical stuff. Uh, we're, we're able to do some surgery on these things, even though they're, we didn't have the multi-track. We uh, were able to use uh, Pro Tools, and I, I got rid of a few things I didn't want. And so, a couple of songs had him had a guitar on. Anyway, just an old, old friend, and I thought you know it'd be a good thing for him. He's he's retired and needs a project, and so. You're a co-producer on this thing. So yeah, nice. That's that's working out well. So okay. So at the time, you're thinking you're trying to decide what to do. Should I go country? Should yeah. I try rock? I'll record some songs yeah. with some friends in my home studio, and we'll see what happens. Exactly. Every time I wrote a song or would have a a, a, a bevy of them, uh, I would record them and master quality recordings. I yeah. I made sure of that and when I'm you know, if I'm going to try and make a deal with someone and also want to be the producer on it, I better walk in with good production. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's what what I, I did. And I've got a, at least maybe 10 albums of songs. The, the constant is that I'm the, the writer or co-writer on every song that wow. that, uh, that we recorded. Yeah. And, and is is the same with with Magic Window, so that I had that you know so I, so I tried that band, which is a rock and roll band of course, and then after that is when I uh, tried to go country that didn't mm-hmm. work so well, and then uh, I, I uh, Russell came up to to the house in Tahoe and was kind of down on his luck and, and really needed a place to stay. So I said, well, why don't you sleep, stay in the studio? It's like an apartment. And he had projects. So and you, you, whenever I'm not using the equipment, you have free use of it, un, you know, unlimited until yeah. I, I need, need to get in. And and then when I get in, I want you to enter, engineer the sessions. Uh-huh. So that, everybody's really happy about that. So, uh, okay. Uh, I had the songs, and I was getting signed by Richard Perry. Oh, really? Yeah, oh. was. That was right. At, unfortunately, toward the end for yeah. Richard Perry. But I went to L.A., did a session. Two of the songs, "Born in the South Side" and "Just Another Girl," mm-hmm. were two. That I did three songs, and they they provided the third song. They wanted me to try this okay. song that they had picked. 
So anyway, everything looks like it's going well. The guy came up to the to the house, and, and I went to L.A. and and uh, he said, you know, okay, you know, mm-hmm. we're, we're gonna we're, Richard likes it. We're gonna sign you. And I'm going, like, oh, finally, this mm-hmm. is this is cool. And it was rock and all that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Next thing I know, he. He has a nervous breakdown and, and checks into into rehab, oh, and, and oh. his company went belly up. Okay, oh. <laughs> so you know, yeah, yeah. Mm, let me think about this. I almost had it. it almost was, had you know, it. that close, that close. So anyway, that's right around the time we we did uh, the the Magic Window project and. I had a guy that I wrote with a lot uh, in uh, at Lake Tahoe. And uh, that's Rob Polomsky. He's he's a co-writer on four other songs mm. on on the record. And I just talked to him on the phone, as a matter of fact. He says, oh, when nice. are we going to start writing? When are we going to start writing again? <laughs> Let me promote this record so we can yeah. have a vehicle to write. Right. So anyway. So I'm curious. Uh, the he, Magic Window has 10 tracks on it, and they're all solid. But you mentioned having about 100, or having found about 100 in your garage. So... Are these the first ten you came across? Were they the first ten that got com- that got completed? Are they your favorite ten? Is there any kind of rhyme or reason to the first ten songs we're hearing in this project? Yes, and you hit it. Uh, it was my my favorite one. I, you know, okay, I, I was the artist. It wasn't Bobby Whitlock, or I, I had another one, a kid named Keith England, uh, in a band with Steve Wright, the bass player from. Greg Kinn, who was a co-writer of Jeopardy, so mm-hmm. he had you know a track rec- track record. But this was uh, uh, my project. You know, I'm the writer, uh, drummer, producer, yeah. singer, and yeah. uh, for, for me, the singing was the best I, uh, I'd ever done. So yeah, uh, I, you know, wow, this is this this is pretty cool. Yeah, had some potential. Well, then, uh, you know, getting nicked from. Uh, Perry, and then being in, a, in, a, in an environment that was in a very severe drought, mm-hmm. seven-year drought, which created a, a potential for a cataclysmic forest fire. I had a, a, bio, a biological background and and a, a bit of a fire background from the Coast Guard. My brother was a fireman. And so I put together a, a program, very complicated uh, program that used the university's biology department, uh, uh, fire department, of course, uh, on and on and on. It, it addressed every property owner there. The mm. biggest property owner in Lake Tahoe is the federal government, mm. the U.S. Forest Service, Bureau of Land Management. Uh, they own a lot of fine property, I'll tell yeah, you that. I bet. Anyway, make a long story short, uh, I, that project uh, went into cleaning uh, slash in, 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 it Lake, in Lake Tahoe, uh, it's a, a highly sensitive uh, area because of every, everything that's disturbed, soil disturbance, goes downhill into the lake and, and is uh, fuel for algae. Mm. And that, that clarity of the lake is the big deal up there. So we had to be able to uh, take care of, of, of a few things, get a few things adjusted and and change because uh, they would have a, a, an algae pit if there was a fire. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, all that uh, material would burn and go into the lake, and it would be destroyed for forever. Mm-hmm. 
so I had all these things to do and to, to walk and it became the number one program in the nation so deemed by the Department of Agriculture and uh, they were sending guys and, and busloads of guys up to, to meet me and to have me show them the ropes and what, what, the, wow. what they could do and not do. So, uh, you know, that, that took uh, several years and, and took me right out of music. Yeah, I was going to uh, say, what a wild uh, second career. <laughs> Jeez, <laughs> that's the furthest thing from rock drumming, you know? Well, yeah, and I paid zero, so. <laughs> you know, my wife reminded me of that. You're spending all this time doing this, and, and you know, you're not getting paid for it. Yeah. I said, well, you know, that's kind of, I am getting paid for it. I'm going to try and save this this wonder of the world. So, sure, sure. anyway, she she got got it got it. I, I'm a honorary fire chief. Uh, they, they made me an honorary fire chief. Made me citizen of the year from the uh, uh, chamber of commerce. Wow. I was the only guy to receive that award who wasn't a member of the chamber of commerce. <laughs> had, but what I did have is I had a mullet. For Christ's sake, I. That was the year of the mullet. Yeah, and, uh, that was <laughs> that was the time, right? So anyway, I, yeah, I, I got the program up on and, and running on its own, and and wanted to get back into music, and so I started the writing process again, you know, in the, the house, and and uh, knew I needed a, a garage and a studio, and, and all that. That's how all of that came about, and okay. and then. Uh, so we're kind of right back, you know. Yeah. That that that's my favorite album, and it, it still is. And uh, eventually, I'll uh, introduce the other albums with the different bands and so on right. and so okay. forth. I have an, I have another albums worth of minimum another albums worth of material for me, depending on how I, how this one does. I'll I'll either use more or I won't. I'll right. go to another direction if okay. it doesn't work out. So um, I, I have many options, and, and I'm going in with my my eyes wide open, but my focus is to get Magic Window uh, charted or at yeah. least uh, you know recognized, so it'll have a, a, a be able to sustain. I want to. I want to hit. Basically, yeah, uh, what I want. Good. Uh, you know, I've been around bands with or a band that had a lot of hits, and mm -hmm. I understand. You know that it's it's not a guarantee, but I I have a feeling, and and, and, a, and a, you have to believe in your dreams, but you're, at the mm -hmm. same time you have to work it. Yeah. And I tell people that you know, and I I did a two two and a half hour podcast on my birthday, which was Friday. Wow. So, you know, really? I, 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 yeah. The only time I could do it, and it was a good one. And good. Um, moving forward, you know, trying, yeah. you got to work hard. So you gotta, that's what I'm doing. Good. Well, let's talk about a couple of the songs on here. You mentioned two of the ones that I wanted to ask you about specifically, one being Just Another Girl.
This, I believe, is considered the first single off of this album, and you mentioned uh, having co-wrote it back in the day. It would have sounded great on the radio then, and I hope it sounds great on the radio now. Where does, where do you, you know, what stations or formats play a newly discovered Doug Cosmo Clifford record? You know, where do you go for it? Uh, the one that my father owns. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> see i don't know that i used okay. to know when we uh had the production company Stu and i did i did all the radio stuff i, I went out to to you know to stations with uh to promote but what i did is i found the the guys from Wea in the bay area and i had met them and uh they were the guys that went out representing the record company and bringing records to radio stations and doing, doing all that. I said, I can get the doors open, mm -hmm. but I w don't want to walk in there and not know what the hell I'm doing. Mm -hmm. uh, so would you guys let me hang out with you for a while and and uh, teach, teach me the ropes? Mm -hmm. And they said, God, yeah, we'd love to. So uh, Dino Barbas, Johnny Barbas, the Galliani brothers, they, they taught me what they do. So... Mm -hmm. I, I I had uh, it pretty well down, but radio is different now. Mm -hmm. It sure is. Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. It, you know. Yeah. Uh, so I'm 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 in a kind of a new learning uh, role, but doing interviews is is a big part of it, and yeah. I and I uh, that's kind of one of my forte really from that side of it, and and I, I enjoy doing it, and, Good. and I really enjoy talking to radio guys because. Radio is who made Credence, not True. the label. The label was a, an obscure jazz label. They didn't know what they were doing. Yeah. And uh, this was back in the day of, of the song pickers uh, mm -hmm. and the and, and the you know the sheets, the the tip sheets. Yep. And uh, I'll give you a, a, another story. This is a good story. Oh. Uh, a guy named Bill Drake was like the man uh, in in. Uh, uh, our neck of the woods uh, he was had a lot of success and he was the most popular guy and his sheep really did well he's the guy that said suzy q is a hit mm. and without that we, i wouldn't be talking to you <laughs> so anyway bill no Drake picked it and, you know there yeah. we had our hit there it was but that's great a couple of it was, it was great, and then it was not so great. Well, the great true, yes. is, is obvious. Yes. That's you know, the obvious part. The not so great was it, it was a cover. Mm -hmm. It wasn't ours. Then we had another cover on there, uh, Screaming Jay Hawkins, mm -hmm. I Put a Spell on You. So we released that as the second single, and it died at 53 with an anchor. Mm -hmm. So that, And that took care of the first album. You know, It, yeah. it was a, a success. But not uh, not a huge success. But right. you know, we, we we were able to buy a house and things like that. I mean, we mm -hmm. were on our way. But we knew that our our next album had to had to produce a, a single uh, of of our material. So uh, we're we're out there, and and uh, born in the buyer seemed like a natural uh, for us. It's still my favorite Creedence song.
Is it really? Born on the Bayou? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh. Hands down. My favorite. Okay. It's just a, it's a, got that quarter note beat, and uh. that quarter note beat is the one I came up with for Suzy Q. Mm. And uh, it changed uh, a little uh, country. Americana? Folk? Uh, not, no, that's not the word. Jeez, uh. I know this. Uh, I'm 75. I just three days into 75, and I'm fucked up already. <laughs> anyway, uh, we were playing in the clubs, and and it was short, and, and it had an eighth note. It uh-huh. sounded like you know what it is. So uh, I changed that beat to a quarter note beat, uh, which is instead of one, two, three, one and two and three and four and uh-huh. two, one, two. Three, four, four beats to the bar, mm-hmm. and then on the two and four, that's the backbeat on the on the on the uh, snare drum, but the the bell of the cymbal uh, and the ride cymbal make open space when mm-hmm. because there's it's only, it's only only playing half the notes that they play, and in the holes, uh, the the notes that weren't played, I play was playing my bass drum. This is with Suzy Q, so it fades in uh, in with the drums and fades out with the mm-hmm. drums. So mm-hmm. you can really hear what the drums are doing. At the beginning and at the end, and then you know the the rest of it is it's there as well. But it made it a, a ten minute song, mm-hmm. and when you're playing five sets a night, six nights a week, yeah. <laughs> your material, you know, you, you got to work to to get through all of that. Yeah. You have to repeat a couple things. We had a few tricks up our sleeve for that, but uh, okay, that's another story. Yeah. So anyway, okay. back to Bill Drake, back to where we, we, mm-hmm. we started. We put Bayou out there, and it was uh, what they called a turntable hit. Mm. It was getting airplay, but it wasn't getting sales. And sales are what what drove it up the charts. Mm. And uh, and so we we were kind of hovering there, and it didn't didn't look really great. But this is the this is the best ever. Bill Drake. In his, in his wisdom and, and on his sheet said, you've got the right record. You just have to turn it over. Uh, oh. Proud Mary was, was on the other side. There you go. <laughs> That'll do it. How, wow. how right was he? No kidding. <laughs> wow. And the yeah. rest, they say, is history. Is you know, history. We go out and put three, three albums out in 69, which is lunatic. Anyway, yeah. That's, that's well, Stu and I have, yeah, Stu and I have had long conversations about the ins and outs of the band, so the good and the bad. And I want to, I want to ask you a couple of things about that near the end because I am curious where things stand today. But let's talk for one second. I am. It's interesting when you listen to the "Born on the South Side" track on Magic Weir, Mirror or Magic Window. It, uh, it's got a credence feel to it.
And I was thinking, yes, it, this you know maybe you could take Doug Clifford out of Credence, but you can't take the Credence out of Doug. I don't know. I mean, uh, what was the you had to know while you were writing and recording that song that it was hearkening back to your band big time. You know. Well, it it was it was completely intentional. Was it okay? Uh, yeah, it was completely intentional because uh, you know I I never I never played it. I tried to play around it and I started thinking about it why would I play around this I I'm the guy that did it mm -hmm. it's not like I'm you know coming in and trying to steal some Just somebody's play. gig yeah. and uh, we've got millions of fans I'm, I'm I'll do one and we'll you know and if I need it that's kind of that ace that I have you know that, mm -hmm. say, well wait a minute you know people hear that now everybody that hears that says it, it sounds like credence Mm -hmm. But I, I got to be careful with the way I word things. Otherwise, I'll be talking to John Thorley these yeah. lawyers. Oh, not again. Um, not again. Well, <laughs> no, not again. So, but anyway, it's, I mean, it's true. And, and the story of it is, it's not exactly like what happened, but there are similar things mm -hmm. in the story. And also, we, Willie and the Poor Boys, mm -hmm. I was a poor boy from the South Side. Mm. Da, 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 da. Mm -hmm. So I mean, I'm throwing all these things in there yep. in, intentionally, uh, and 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 it's actually you know when we put this the single out, we included that one, mm. and it got uh, four to one more uh, plays than uh, just another girl. Really, people love yeah. that CCR sound. That must be it. You yeah. know. Well, it's familiarity. You know, people yes, are, that's are, it. Are com comfortable. Yeah, uh, you know, want to be comfortable, and and here here is this guy uh, who's not, you know, not a singer, and mm -hmm. and uh, I, I had a solo album out before that you know it wasn't mm -hmm. wasn't great and wasn't supposed to be. Going to rock and roll. There's one thing that I wonder. Baby, that just won't do. Oh, wanna rock and roll. There's one thing that I wonder. Baby, that just won't do. I wanna rock and roll. There's one thing that I wonder. It was an experiment, not not a not a work of art. Well, now it's a work of art where I really spent time yeah. and, and and effort to make it as the best per, per performance I, I could possibly make it on all levels. Yeah, you know, on the songs, the singing. Uh, the, the the grooves, mm -hmm. uh, the the production, all, all those. You know, I, this was my my baby, and mm -hmm. you know, this is. I'm, I'm really really hoping this 
this is going to do something. Well, yeah. <laughs> we'll see. All those other things came up, and, yeah. and in, into the vault it went. And uh, thirty-five years later, it still works. I yeah, mean, it, it does. still plays. And, and play. man, oh man, it's just—it yeah. uh, was meant to be. Yeah, it is. Now you okay? So part of the lore of this album is that you found the master tapes in your garage, and yeah. And I'm curious, did you? Were you looking for them? Did you? I mean, obviously, you remember making this album. Did you forget where those tapes were? Were you? Was it? I, I'm trying to figure out. Like, did you go into your garage saying, "I know Magic Window is in here somewhere," or were you doing something else and you? stumbled on these tapes and it was like oh i remember this i didn't know where these were you know well it was uh yes it was more like that i knew i knew that i had them mm. i remember remember putting them in in there but, but it was in you know it, it was in a couple of houses so mm. i'm really glad i didn't dump them you yeah. know but, yeah. but if you don't use it throw it out and blah 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 well i i knew that things were in there and I had a pretty good idea of what was in there but I did I forgot about that that project because other things had uh, other people involved in it especially other vocalists and, and this that and the other thing and mm -hmm. uh, I just uh, I wasn't really sure and then once I, I was able to uh, play these things mm -hmm. and they, they the ones that were uh, marked of course uh, that that tells you what's what's mm -hmm. inside but some of them weren't some of them weren't marked Mm. And I had to hope that, and they all, all, all the reels were uh, playable and in uh, in pristine condition. Mm. Mm. Thank God for proper wow. storage techniques. No kidding. Jeez. Yeah, and that's what made the difference. And then, wow, here we are. You know, here we are. Talking to you. And yeah. You got it. It's finally on the uh, out and released. Yeah. And. Uh, people are, are liking it and what I, I really uh, I'm enjoying is uh, my deal with Wendy is I'll do I'll do all the interviews that you can get for me but uh, they, they have to hear the record before I before oh. I do the interview. Yeah, absolutely. I've, I've played it probably four or five times and I think I've had it wow. four or five days. <laughs> Something like oh, that. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, I love it. I love it. Uh, I think one of my... It's favorite songs off it is Love Mode.
Wow. I really like all of them, honestly. And I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a little younger than you, Cosmo. So I grew up in the '80s. So this, this kind of synthesized rock sound <laughs> is what I grew up on. You know, that's very, that's a pleasing sound to me. I like this sound. So it's so fascinating to me to hear this guy who, you know, is is a rock legend and one of my heroes from a band that I love. <laughs> But he's doing something completely different in a completely different era. This is the product of that. And I find that so fascinating. And so, I, yeah, I like your album a lot. It's great. Oh, thank you. Absolutely. But that's what I'm, you know, I'm finding is uh, because the only thing they have to compare it to is the first album that I put out. Not like yeah. I said, that was an experiment right. to see if we could use a remote vehicle in Cosmos factory, then we will mm -hmm. take over the lease and the building and we'll build a truck. Mm -hmm. And, and so what wasn't the, the, uh, the plan was to do that. So it, we didn't know if it was going to work or not. Mm -hmm. We certainly didn't want to invest a lot of money until we, you know, we knew. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so boom, after that, that album was done, we knew mm -hmm. this room will work terrifically. We, we will put, be able to park the truck inside and use the, use the studio, mm -hmm. and go back and forth, and the, the plan is good. So yeah, uh, people, that's all that they have uh, from me. So mm -hmm. when they go, oh, it's a solo album, and it's another one, mm -hmm. uh, okay, it's, this, is, this is a different deal. Totally is. And, you know, I think, too, I wonder if there's a little bit of a stigma because Stu and I talked about this when he was on the show. It's been about three years ago now that, you know, famously, there was a lot of fighting for control and songwriting in CCR. And when John sort of said, OK, you guys go write the songs. We'll see what you come up with. That was right. that was Mardi Gras. And the songs on there oh, yeah. were less successful. And and uh, so it's sort of like you he or you guys, whatever, set yourselves up to sort of fail a little bit. And so maybe there was a stigma of like, well, I I've heard Mardi Gras and those songs are the lesser ones. So I can't imagine a solo album is going to be that good. But yet it turns out and it's really good. It's just as good as any other, you know, Heartland rock album that would have come out in 1985. Well, I, I, I appreciate it. But the, the Mardi Gras thing was an ultimatum. That was True. not yeah. you and I coming <laughs> Yeah. Why would we yes. do that? We said, exactly. why, why would we do that? We, we we were being set up and we were, it's our fault. We should have seen it. That's so it's vintage Fogarty. Yeah. And, uh, and then, it, and then he tells the press that we made him do it. Mm -hmm. And he yeah. still, and he still uses that today. Yeah. And you know, that's just, that's not even worth talking about right yeah. now. Cause yeah. I've got something very no, positive I don't want happening. To. And, but, but that's just historically, to, to you know to let you know where yeah. where it is historically that's what that was yeah and uh, so now you know here I am um, mm -hmm. I, uh, and and, and pe people are kind of taken aback by it for the mm -hmm. most part they're going oh jeez yeah we didn't know that you could sing like that and I said <laughs> well I I didn't either <laughs> <laughs> yeah practices you know I said I really spent a lot of time yeah uh, on it and and uh, and uh, you know, I was writing like crazy with different people and getting material. Love mode uh, is a hundred percent mine. I had no, no really? collaboration with that. Oh, yeah. nice. Yeah, that's a song. There's, that's a strong track. I like that one. And, and it's quite a bit different. And yeah. there's there's two others. Uh, uh, Somebody love me tonight. 
and then uh, uh, hungry for your love. Mm -hmm. All very good. Is the other, is the That's other right. One. Yeah. So, um, let me. I do want to ask one more CCR related question or Fogarty related. Sure. I talked to Stu last. I think it was last February, and about two weeks later, it was announced in the news that everybody had sort of kissed and made up, that the two f f parties <laughs> were not angry at each other anymore. But then I never saw anything come of that. What whatever became of that? First of all, it was bullshit. Uh, ah, okay. Uh, what what we did, what we did, is we we formed a, a limited partnership, so we could do a merch deal for Credence, and uh, that's what that was. Okay. We were partners again, hmm. un, un, unwitting partners, partners, okay. if you will, and so you know people heard that. So that, that's really all. He okay. still, you know, yeah. I, I just read something uh, where he just said, you know, Credence. The, you know they be they betrayed me <laughs> Wait a minute. he be, be, you betrayed your brother for yeah, one yeah. and then because we picked the, the side uh of the guy, the guy that got fucked and and, mm -hmm. and, and who who was the, the really the, the guy who created the us uh, putting us in the studio and sticking with us for 10 years yeah so you know that's that that's that whole deal. Yeah, he, but okay. he's still there. that's where he is in his mm -hmm. career, mm -hmm. and I I don't know if you've heard him sing lately, but uh, it's a little you know, rough. Uh, a little rough. <laughs> you're 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 very kind. <laughs> it's a little rough. Yeah, the songs are still there, but yeah, it's a little rough. Um, yeah, okay. We don't have to go too far down that path, but I just wondered. You no, know, that made no. some big news. It was sounding like a reunion was coming. And nothing yeah. ever happened, and so I thought, well, what what really went on there, you know? But it's okay. I yeah. get it now. It was just more like a business uh, coming yeah. together. Okay. Um, now, one other thing: Cosmos Factory, the album, turns fifty this year. I was curious, that was sort of, I mean, it wasn't the last album, but it was probably the last truly great album. You know what I mean? Like the last yes. of oh, the yeah. core. That was our Sergeant Pepper. Yeah, yeah. So what, you know, what recollections do you have of making that that really stand out? Well, you know, first and foremost, the way it started out for me was John took me uh, uh, to the office and said, uh, I'm going to be naming the album after you. Oh. And I said, okay, why are you doing that? 
he said, well, and, and he's a very he was shy, kind of an introvert, really. And, and you'll see, just as an aside, when we play shows, uh, when it's him, time for him to solo, he doesn't step out and, and play to the audience. He turns his back on the audience and comes over and stands next to me mm. and plays the solos to me. Always did it that way from from when we were an instrumental trio at 13 years of age to the last show we ever did. Mm. That's uh, that's why I was positioned on the floor right next to John. I was his, his, his banky, if you will. Got it. So I'm thinking, you know, maybe, maybe it has something to do with that. And he says, so I don't, I'm re real nervous about the press. You know, this is an important record. Uh, I don't want to be uh, sidetracked by any of that that shit. So mm -hmm. you're the guy that tells the story. So tell your story, and I don't care what it is. Just get, keep these people away from me. Mm. And I said, okay. Well, it sounds like it's going to be fun. <laughs> right. Without without an internet, I had a different story in every city. <laughs> <laughs> I had so much fun with it. And once in a while, I'd, I'd, I'd run into somebody that had talked to somebody else and. Uh, <laughs> They said, said, "Well, wait a minute. You told Harry that right, <laughs> Harry, Harry who? <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, that's okay. where that came from. Now the the rest of it is, and there were singles that came out between Willie and the Poor Boys and uh, and, and the Cosmos Factory because John's whole thing. That's really why we we did three albums and mm -hmm. and." Uh, in the 69 he says if we're ever off the charts we'll be forgotten now there's a real real wacky one there yeah nobody i said if, yeah no one's ever done three albums in, mm. in a year no we did five in two years i know but no one's ever done three yeah and i said you know none of our peers have have done it yeah. they have all been all at certain times been off the charts mm -hmm. And they come roaring right back up there. So, yep. but no, no, he didn't. That was how it was. Okay, you know, I, mm -hmm. I don't mind, you know, learning the songs and mm -hmm. doing this and doing that. Sure, you know, so that's the is, mm -hmm. music is 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 the good part. You know, yeah, that's this other shit is not yeah. so much fun. So at it's least interesting that the, he the, feels the that way. We like to do. It's interesting that he feels that way when his solo career has been so sporadic. It's only oh, yeah. five or six albums in like 50 years almost, 45 years, Yeah, you know? Yeah. So for a guy who was so concerned about staying on the charts, he sure let a lot of time lapse in between his own output, you know? Um, yes. Anyway, I just find that, to, that an interesting take on this. Anyway, continue, I'm sorry. Well, so anyway, uh, we would put singles out and in between, and that's another thing that was a no-no in the business. You don't put a single out, especially a hit single with double-sided hits, mm -hmm. and lose, you lose all those sales, that, the, the immediate sales, when you have a, a, a hit single going. That album should be out in the marketplace. Mm -hmm. Well, you know that turned out to be not true in the sense that 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 album sold four million copies mm -hmm. uh, and that was a pretty big record for those days but you know it had six singles on it yeah and, and, and in that gap between the 
those two albums. I forget the songs that were the ones that came out in between, mm. but we, we doubled the burn rate. Yeah. We didn't have just one single. We had two at a time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're, that's, you're just talking about putting putting pressure on. I know, it's so odd. For, for excellence, you yeah. know? Yeah. <laughs> so odd. Well, that album stands up. I mean, as does the rest of CCR's catalog. It's so good. And um, yeah, I was curious if, uh, you know, what your memories were of making that album. It, it, as I say, we, we did some recording when we did those other singles. We didn't do the whole album at one one time. Yeah. Okay. Tell me, we're coming up to the end here. Tell me what some of just your favorite stories are. We, you know, we, we kicked it off with a couple of doozies with Johnny Cash and Chris Christopherson after a career, like a 55 year career, practically Cosmo, what are some of the highlights that you just, people would not believe? Ooh, wow. Wow. Maybe it's meeting a hero or playing a particularly good show or I don't know. Oh, oh, well, okay. Uh, Yeah. I would have to say Woodstock. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder. This is a great, great story. Because nobody, nobody knows this. I've been saying it in some of my, excuse me, my interviews of late. So it, it, it's trickling out there. But anyway, the the, the uh, Woodstock deal is presented to us, and we like the concept of the deal. I think just about everybody liked the concept of the deal, but we didn't like the fact that the guys that had the concept had never done anything like that before. There were mm-hmm. They were amateurs in, t- in that sense. Yeah, they'd had a, put on a few sh- rock shows, I guess. But for something that I think they were looking at maybe 50000 maybe maybe 100000 Uh But anyway, uh, mm-hmm. all the, uh, the younger or lesser acts, if you will, and not that there are artists any less, but, you know, smaller yeah. draws, shall yeah. we say. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were looking for, you know, they were looking for the, the home run. Uh, they were in uh, Richie Havens, uh, Country Joe, mm-hmm. bands like that, and Richie Havens had, was terrific, and said it was Country Joe. So, mm-hmm. but they weren't going to they weren't going to bring a hundred thousand people there. So, right, right. all the big guys were who have managers, that savvy managers, uh, were on the sideline. Mm-hmm. No, nobody's moving, mm-hmm. and at that time we were the number one concert draw in the world and the number one record-selling group in the world. Wow. Uh, Outselling out, out the Beatles. So we're number one, number one. We kind of liked the idea, and we were playing anyway in uh, uh, New Jersey the next night. So uh, if we that, we didn't have that New Jersey gate, probably wouldn't have done it. Hmm. But we did, and said, what the hell, you know, let's mm-hmm. give it a try. So the second we said yes, Everybody, all the big boys jumped in at the same time. Mm. Now, what I am getting to is this. What happens if Creedence Clearwater Revival says no? Ooh, yeah. I don't think there's a Woodstock. Wow. I hadn't thought of that. Yeah. In fact, I know there wouldn't have been a Woodstock. Wouldn't have happened. Oh, my. Or it would have been some little, no offense to the Richie Havens and the Country Joe and the Fishes of the world, great bands, but yeah. they're not going to draw half a million people, you know? No. Wow. 
Wow, I hadn't even thought of that. Oh my god! Yeah. Well then, yeah, so, and, and I mean, you know, this. But, and the irony, and the irony of it, everybody, nobody knows we were there. Exactly. That's what I was just gonna say. Uh, the crazy thing is, you're left it's off the soundtrack. So, John so doesn't want to get. I know. John won't. You know. Uh, allow the stuff to be used. I think that's been changed uh, last year with the 50th anniversary finally, but still, I mean, people forget CCR was even there, and yet you guys were one of the biggest bands in the world at that time. And, and I've watched your show and listened to it on YouTube, and it sounds fine. The, a lot of people did much worse, so I don't know what the problem would have well, been. He blamed it on us, and yeah. he had made he made some mistakes, that he never makes, he, mm. he normally doesn't make. And he was uncomfortable, uh, and that's probably why it happened, and, and, and tired, yeah. what, what else? But so was everybody else. Sure, sure. Uh, you know, that's that's what, what, what it's all about. People yeah. endured all of this stuff, the worst weather, you know, the yeah. uh, no potable water, all the things that overpopulation does. Mm -hmm. And there, I, I never saw one person having a bad time mm -hmm. uh, you know if and here's another one and if there would have been beer there instead of weed there would have been violence very good point i had not thought of that you're so right yes you know if that would have been yes. the deal uh you know the people sh sh shared whatever they had with complete strangers yeah and everyone got together and played with each other and had fun and i i, I you know, at first it was it was you know uh, uh, chaotic and and when are we going on and mm -hmm. how are we going to get our where's our equipment mm -hmm. you know where yeah. where's our guys all these other things we were in uh, you know serious we got a gig and we got a gig tomorrow night and we better get and this thing's running late and we better get something going mm -hmm. here otherwise it's going to be a disaster we're not we're, we're, we're going to miss it. Yeah. So that was, you know, we're, we're, we've got our work hats on. And all of a sudden, for an instant, I just I just stopped what I was doing. I just looked around and saw all this joy, all these people mm -hmm. playing in the mud, you know, shivering, but, you know, laughing, having fun, people, uh, uh, you know, helping people out of the water. Mm -hmm. and, I mean, just every, by the hair on my arm just stood straight mm -hmm. up. I got, I got this... Uh, for lack of a better term, a warm and fuzzy feeling. I mean, mm -hmm. I, it just, re it was real. Yeah. I went, wow, this is unbelievable that we have all, all of these people in, in these conditions mm -hmm. and, and there, there's no, there's no fights. There's no, yeah. I haven't heard an angry word or somebody raised their voice. Uh, you know, uh, wow, mm -hmm. this is something pretty special. Yeah. In terms of, in terms of that, they, these guys pulled it off. Yeah. Yeah, they did. I should know this, and I'm suddenly blanking on it. Did you guys play Monterey? No, we did you not. You didn't. That why? No. I mean, that's your backyard practically. Well, you know, I honestly don't remember why, uh, but uh, I think uh, I'm not I'm not 100 huh, percent sure. Okay. But I think the fact that it was a Monterey Jazz Festival uh, okay. might have, might have scared. scared I, I'm not that very sure stop. why. Jimi Hendrix, or you know, no, no, <laughs> I would have loved to have airplane done that. and stuff. Yeah, yeah, okay. Just curious. I couldn't remember if you partook of that. Well, look, uh, Cosmo, this is great. I mean, you're a legend, and uh, your new album, Magic Window, is so good, and I'm so uh, happy to be able to share it with all of my listeners, and I hope they check it out. 
And um, as soon as all this weirdness is over, is it back out on the road for revisited? Uh, we are we are officially retired. Oh, you are. You're done. Yeah, we're done. Really? When okay, yeah, going back, I, I talked to Steve last year, and he said he was kind of getting over it. I wondered what the story was. Okay. Oh yeah. Well, we we had planned it. Uh, you know, uh, we knew that that whole year that you know, we had made the decision. Uh, you know, after the la la mm -hmm. the twenty fourth year, this that, that, that project. Yeah. Here, here's another one. I mean, we've had like two really successful careers. Mm -hmm. You know, the one the, the the first one obviously being the the big big fellow. But you know, wait a minute. You know, here's this little little band, uh, Creedence Clearwater Revisited, that brought Creedence live mm -hmm. back to the to the yep. people. Yeah. John John wasn't doing it. Nobody else was doing it. And we knew that if we could uh, have a band that was uh, able to play the songs the way they had to be played. You know, we I would go to the show if yeah. I you know was, yep. was out there. So, so we we carefully picked our our, our people. And at that time, Elliot Easton was our mm -hmm. lead guitarist, who he's now in the Hall of Fame. Mm -hmm. And uh, John Tristale was with us for 20 years as the lead singer. Steve Gunner played the whole 25 years with us. Now it's Kurt Griffey on lead guitar, and but it's, now it's not. Yeah, now it's over. We're, we're, we're done. I'm, I'm really beat, beat up. Uh, I've, uh, I, I've, I had uh, radiation from cancer treatment. And, oh, wow. And, uh, and then now I've got Parkinson's disease. So oh. uh, I told oh, I told Stewie, I said, I told Stewie, I said, you know, I got Parkinson's, so we're, I know we've never played anything that, that Credence didn't play, but we're going to have to put Shake, Rattle, and Roll on the set list. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's True great. story. Oh, I believe it. I believe it. True story. Yeah. Well, good luck, Cosmo. I uh, My dad has Parkinson's, so I can imagine how that goes. I did get to see you guys finally uh, probably three years ago when you came through Denver at the Hudson Gardens. Oh, cool. And uh, Stu was oh, yeah. put me on the list, and I went back and said hello. And So, yeah, I, uh, I was, I'm so glad now that I know that it's officially over that I was able to kind of partake in, in the experience there for a minute. But you know, I'm uh, always glad to know that you know people got who talk about it Absolutely. get to see it it's you know hard to hard to describe it but yeah you know we sound more like credence mm -hmm. when we do our shows and then fogarty does yeah and, and, yep. and that's just the way it is you know we 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 love this music too we've always been you know the underdogs and we ended up we, never, we were never going to record anything and the fans it's a fan-driven project yeah. Fans wanted to, we would love a CD after the show. Why Why don't you do it? Why don't you do it? So we just did a live show in, in Canada. And next thing you know, it gets out to an independent record uh, mm -hmm. company and, and it goes gold. Then then they started bouncing their checks because they were taking them. We, we made them more money than they'd ever made. Oh. So they want, wanted to re resurrect the, the career of uh, Julian Lennon. Oh. He was he was he was a mess at the time, and so and we, our checks started bouncing. We said, "This is not good. Yeah, we don't we don't we don't stay around with people who you know are so careless yeah. uh, with their business 
And so uh, Universal came in and said, we'll be more than happy to take this. We'll take it platinum. We said, well, have nice. at it. Sure yeah. enough, they did. Good. Yeah. And, uh, you know, wow. <laughs> yeah, that's outstanding. Well, cool. Well, thank you, Cosmo. I, uh, I appreciate the time. There you have it. Rock and Roll Hall of Famer, Doug Cosmo Clifford. Posing this question, what, who is the most important or the greatest American rock band ever? CCR has got to be in that conversation. Maybe even number one. If not CCR, who is it? REM, maybe? Chicago's up there? I mean, there's a few, but CCR is right there. Anyway, we are so lucky to hear from legends like Doug. And, I mean, I totally understand. He's 75 years old. It's time to retire. I'm sad for all of you who have not seen Creedence Clearwater Revisited because those shows were a lot of fun. But anyway... Check out Magic Window. This is another song off that album, Hungry for Your Love. It came up in the conversation. We want to close it out with that. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks for five great years. Uh, check out Magic Window. You guys know the drill by now. You can leave us a message on Facebook. You can like our page. You can send us an email at thehustlepod at gmail.com, or you can find us on Twitter at thehustlepod. We'll be back on Tuesday with another episode. We've got tons of bonus material in the can right now so every week for the next month or two you're bound to hear two maybe even three episodes we just have a lot of content for everybody okay all right thanks we love you all